Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host Chris Genthy and I have a great show for you today. So let's go ahead and get started with the news. Uh, first big piece of news is a piece of YouTube news. Now this isn't, I could have talked about this last week, but I thought I could get by without talking about it at all. And this was a weird video, YouTube or Google or yeah, put out regarding a new program called YouTube Heroes. Um, and what this is, is some sort of community monitoring system uh, where you can flag videos, uh, flag comments, and kind of act like a moderator of sorts of YouTube content. And I say of sorts because you can already do those types of things. Uh, I flag comments as spam all the time. Um, I've never flagged a video as inappropriate, but I don't find myself stumbling up on inappropriate videos, um, and I'm not sure what that means anyway. But anywho, they've kind of developed like a, a system where people that do take the time to perform those those sorts of functions can kind of build up a rank, build up a reputation, uh, and gain access to new tools um, uh, via YouTube and sort of be rewarded for their efforts. Now, uh, I just don't care anymore about what YouTube or Google does because, like I mentioned a few weeks back, it's going to be the same cycle. YouTube's going to announce something uh, that's a little strange, and they're not going to, they don't offer any backstory to it. They don't indicate what the intent of this program is. They don't indicate why a program like this needs to exist. And uh, so basically, to me, it means nothing. I, I have no idea what any of this means. Uh, but like we discussed, every time YouTube does anything, that means a bunch of people are going to make videos where they call YouTube the worst company in the entire world, uh, where they start screaming, you know, censorship, censorship, censorship. Um, and yeah, I just don't get into that. And it's starting to fatigue me a little bit if I'm honest. Uh, a big theme that sort of came up through these types of videos uh, had more to do with giving trolls power. So in theory, if enough trolls got together, they could, you know, do some damage or harm to a YouTube user or do damage or harm to a YouTube channel, um, you know, to an entire channel, maybe even get it taken down. Um, if somebody is saying something, you know, that they don't want to hear, they can just report it and stuff like that. And uh, in my opinion, all of those things already exist. So if somebody doesn't like what I'm saying and they think I'm being, you know, too left or too right or something else, I have no idea, they could inappropriately flag my video. Um, and the thing about this is that YouTube monitors or reviews, reviews, I'm sure there's a computer algorithm that reviews the, uh, the flags and stuff like that, but it just didn't strike me as a really big deal. Um, I just don't... I just doesn't really seem all that different than what already exists. Um, but that's what people said, right? It's so vague that we don't understand what YouTube's doing yet. I can give you specific examples of why this is a terrible idea. It's kind of ironic. It doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but I listened to uh, the CU podcast. I think I've mentioned that a few times. Uh, Pat and Ian, I think, put on a great show. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, yeah, Pat decided to kind of talk about how he's not freaking out about it. And that kind of inspired me to speak out about it a little bit. Now, again, I'm not saying this is a good program. I'm not saying it's a bad program. Uh, I'm saying it's a vague program. I don't understand why it was created, and I don't understand the problem that it solves. Uh, but when I first heard about it, it immediately reminded me a bit of Wikipedia, right? We all know that anybody can go onto Wikipedia and change everything on there, and Wikipedia is full of wrong information on every single page. And, you know, it's the cesspool of wrong 
lifelong knowledge, except for that's not really what it is. There is a Wikipedia community. People do earn, you know, different privileges. And for the most part, this sort of community driven guidance of Wikipedia works. And if I think it would work just fine on YouTube. Now, I do a pretty, you know, I I make non-controversial videos about old video games that people don't care about, and not very many people watch my videos, so I don't really have that much to freak out about. Uh, maybe somebody with a half million subs, or that does kind of, you know, they're on the fringe, maybe they are more worried. Maybe they're worried because they do make inappropriate content, or, you know, things... I don't know, that they're scared of getting taken away. I have no idea. Uh, next piece of news is the Nintendo Classic Mini Family Computer. Of course, this November, the NES Classic Edition, I forget, I don't know why they didn't just call it the NES Mini. The NES Classic Edition is like a third or a quarter of the size of an original NES, comes bundled with 30 games, uh, no cartridge slot or upgrade capabilities, uh, has third-party games, looks really, really cool. Everybody's pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to go for $60, and that's pretty sweet. But for some reason, when I saw the Japanese version, it was even cooler. I guess because uh, growing up, obviously, in the 90s, we didn't have the internet, so we had no idea what was going on in Japan. Uh, I had no idea, you know, none of us knew that there was something called the family computer um, in the super family, or the Famicom uh, over in... Man, is it... I wrote this down right from, uh, I think, IGN, the Nintendo Classic Mini Family Computer. I wonder if it's called the Famicom. I guess it really doesn't matter. What matters is, is how cool this looks, right? So it is, what I found most interesting about it is it has the wired controllers and the controllers sit in the side of the, the, the Famicom Mini and the controllers then must be a third or a quarter of the size of the original Famicom. Um, so I wonder if it's going to have like these little tiny controllers that you have to to play with. Um, I'm not an expert on Japanese games or the different names of games over there. I can't tell you all the differences between uh, the, the the NES versus the Famicom. There's a few differences. I think they're getting River City Rampage and a different version of Final Fantasy, but outside of that, I don't know. There's no big hitters like Mother or something like that, uh, but I totally want one of those too. I think it would be pretty cool to have on the shelf both the Mini NES and the Mini Famicom. Um, so that's coming November 10th. I anticipate a lot of people uh, in Europe and America importing this thing just because it is so, so cool. And maybe there's some differences in those Japanese games. I think a lot of, a few games were made harder in the U.S. or easier in the U.S. Uh, obviously censorship with things like... Um, I didn't really want to use that word, but I guess it is what it is. Nintendo's self-censorship of uh, religious symbols and sex and things like that. Um, so maybe there will be some reasons beyond aesthetics and uh, shelf candy to have that, but... All of this time, the NES Classic Edition, it never dawned on me, oh yeah, there was a Famicom. I wonder if they're going to do that too. So this caught me by surprise and kind of made me smile a bit. So that's really cool. All right. The last piece of news is that J.J. Abrams, uh, who directed uh, Star Wars Force Awakens and also the reboot of Star Trek, uh, hinted that there will be a portal movie announcement coming soon now i well first things first uh, a portal movie makes a lot more sense than a tetris movie or a tetris trilogy so i think that's cool that somebody's using logic behind uh you know hundreds of millions of dollars but uh portal was a game that really it struck a chord with me in a big bad way uh it's even it's one of the few videos that i've done especially oh, 
<laughs> that are more than a year old that I can still go back and I still do go back and watch the video because I think I did a decent job and it's a game I absolutely adore. So Portal and I think around the same time N Plus was released on the Xbox 360. So I don't remember the exact date these two games came out. Even if they came out around each other, I just played them around the same time. Here's something for you. I was back when Circuit City was still alive because I remember going to Circuit City to buy the orange box on the Xbox 360. And one, I couldn't find the Xbox, I couldn't find the video game section, period. Uh, so I had to ask for help. Like, I've never gone to a big box retailer and couldn't find the video games. Like, that was really weird to me. I'm like, seriously? Like, I can't find the video game section? Uh, you know, at an electronics store. That's bizarre. Um, it was tiny. There was no the orange box. And I never went to Circuit City again uh, until they were liquidating their uh, stock. And I actually bought like a PCI card with S-Video and Composite so I could start capturing video. Now I bought that card and I never ever used it. And yeah, so I missed, that must have been around 2008, I would guess, watching AVGN, watching Classic Game Room and thinking, I want to do this. I want to make videos. And then I just never did it. Bought the hardware, you know, for like $13. It was being liquidated. Um, so I guess the point where I was trying to go with that is N plus and portal, I thought were both insanely refreshing. And it, it's a common theme that, you know, we kind of talk about every year. Video games really aren't evolving anymore. They're getting prettier, uh, but the gameplay concepts really aren't going anywhere. And N plus and portal kind of reminded me that, oh yeah, we can be innovative and creative. And both of those games absolutely capture my attention. Uh, the portal, I've probably only played through it twice. Sadly, I don't have a real reason to play through it again. Maybe I'll do a let's play or something. Um, but I was just blown away by a first-person shooter where you don't kill anything. And then you add on top of that just the insane humor and cleverness. It's like watching Arrested Development. Like, if you're not paying attention or if you don't have some sort of wit to you, like, the jokes are just going to go over your head. That's how amazing Portal is. And then N Plus was just, uh, to me, it was like, oh, this is how you make a 2D game, you know, in 2007 or 8 or whatever that year was. Um, and I absolutely love that I could die in a level a hundred times in like six minutes. Just absolutely mind-blowingly good. Um, so two awesome games. Uh, if there was a Portal movie and if J.J. Abrams uh, was directing it, I think that would be pretty, probably pretty fantastic. He knows a thing or two about making movies. All right, so that's going to do it for the news. I want to move on a bit to the HD Retrovision uh, component cables. Now, I unboxed this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last week, I talked about hooking it up to the television, um, and now I finally hooked it up into the Framemeister um, to actually see you know, the type of signal that it's putting out and not having my TV uh, ruin that you know pristine 240p RGB component video. Um, I, will I do have to say that uh, 240p over component uh, so that's going to be something like your HD Retrovision or your PlayStation 2 playing PlayStation 1 games uh, looks pretty fantastic I've mentioned that before um, and it did not disappoint the picture quality coming out of these cables despite an analog signal being completely changed to a different analog signal 
uh, still very sharp, uh, color still very vivid. Um, the it's definitely not as sharp as RGB. I I really had a hard time dialing in the sharpness on the the horizontal lines. Um, it is a bit blurry, and then when you apply some sharpness to try and get those pixels more defined, uh, you get a bit of ringing. And I couldn't quite find a compromise uh, that I was totally happy with. Uh, it's definitely not RGB, where I feel the Genesis just has an amazing RGB scarred signal works beautiful and perfect. So it, it's like 99% of the way there. Uh, but the benefit I wasn't expecting using these cables on a Genesis and with the FrameMeister was the audio. Now, I have a plethora of RGB SCART cables at this point. Uh, most, actually, they're all from retrogamingcables.co.uk. And in almost every system, I have a bit of like a hum in the audio, just like a bit of white noise, a bit of, a bit of static. Now, you can't really hear it on YouTube. One, due to compression to uh, any parts that are just the game audio and not me talking. I try and clean them up just a little bit because um, I don't want the, the video to be annoying to watch, um, but it's noticeable and it bothers me. Now, when I'm recording, I can see like the, the levels, you know, yellow, green, red. Um, so, you know, I can control what am I trying to say? I'm really getting off tangent here. Basically, <laughs> when I'm playing and there's, you know, I hit pause and there's no sound coming out of the system, I can see a little bit of yellow. I can see there's noise there. If I put on the headphones, I can, I, I can definitely hear the noise there. Um, however, with these cables, when there's no sound coming out of the Genesis, there is no noise. It is a squeaky clean audio signal. Um, perhaps the best I've, I've ever heard out of any system, to be quite honest with you, uh, even using the Sega CD uh, in the Genesis, and I use the RCA jacks on the back of the Sega CD, and I capture that audio instead of what's coming out of the cable just because it's it's almost quiet. It's just very clean, sounds very good, and I, I have much better results recording footage that way uh, with the Sega CD and the Genesis on top of it. So someone brought up a couple weeks ago that they're buying these cables or they already bought these cables to support the company in hopes that they'll continue to create new products for other systems. So I think that's a really good point. But if for some reason you're on the fence and you want to throw a few dollars their way, you are getting the benefit of cleaner audio. I'm sure there's RGB cables out there that, you know, offer perfect audio, but I was really blown away. I wasn't expecting that. So that's a really nice benefit. Alrighty, so that's what I had to say. I started making the RGB, the FrameMeister profile videos again. Um, I've gotten a lot of requests to have my updated profiles. I don't make them available for download. Uh, I don't think it's something that I'm ever going to do. I make videos, um, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. If somebody else wants to make their own profiles and put them on the web, definitely do that. Firebrand uh, X, the Pixel Purist, he does that. If you don't want to watch my videos, go download his profiles. I'm sure they're all great as well. Um, or make your own. If you don't like his, you don't like mine, make your own and share them. All that knowledge should be shared. Uh, but I'm going to go through them, dubbing them just version point or 2.0 uh, at the bottom of the thumbnails uh, to kind of signify that, hey, you know, I'm going to go through. I've learned a lot over the past year. I've learned a lot over three or four years of owning a FrameMeister. I think I can do an even better job. Uh, and with that, I also did some 720p profiles. Now, if you don't 
don't care about capturing footage or if you don't care about uh, the Framemeister and RGB video, I do apologize. Um, but there are a few benefits of having uh, doing your footage or, or upscaling your footage to 720p instead of 1080p. One, capturing for me is easier in 720, better in 720p for 60 frames per second games. I cannot capture footage at 1080p at 60 frames per second. Uh, so if I want to do a 60 frames per second video, I have to do it in 720p. And the other thing I'm realizing, or I've really realized over the past year is uh, there are a lot of people that really like playing with artificial scan lines uh, to kind of give you that CRT look. Now, there are people that hate it, and that's fine too. But uh, with the FrameMaster anyway, doing 720p is the only way to go if you want scan lines. So I'm kind of offering that out there. I'm not aware of anybody else kind of really diving in and making some correct 720p profiles for the FrameMeister, so hopefully people are finding that pretty cool. So that's my thoughts on the FrameMeister, the HD RetroVision component cables. Uh, as of this video, the Genesis version of those cables are still in stock. Uh, the SNES is back out of stock, so I'm going to guess that that system is still more popular than the Sega Genesis, unfortunately. All right. Next, I want to talk about a couple of YouTube channels uh, that don't have enough, don't have the subscribers that they really deserve. Uh, first one I'm going to talk about, they're going to pass me next year. This is a channel that's really starting to uh, to find a groove um, and is starting to really pack on the subscribers. Uh, I've shouted out their videos in the past, and I think it's a fantastic channel, and that's Retropolis Zone. Um, so Retropolis, Metropolis, Retropolis Zone. Uh, he does a really in-depth, uh, lengthy reviews of a lot of classic games, specifically the Sonic series and the Mega Man series, along with a lot of uh, platformers and uh, just a lot of, if you like what I talk about, uh, games from the 90s, you really should check out this channel. Uh, some of his videos are a little long for my tastes, uh, I think 59 minutes for the Ocarina of Time, but a lot of them are in that really sweet spot of 20 to 40 minutes, and he his attention to detail uh, is, is inspiring, if I'm honest. Uh, the footage is captured beautifully. Uh, the production, the edits, uh, the production value is, supersedes what I do. And uh, the script's well-written. The audio sounds fantastic. And uh, it's something that you should really check out. I, in my opinion, it's up there. Uh, I don't even know who I'd compare it to because I don't watch, I don't feel there's a lot of video reviewers that really dive into the, the whys. I'm enjoy playing this. Why do I enjoy playing this? Or, you know, this, this should be good, but it's not grabbing me. Why is that? What is it about this game that doesn't work? And really diving into those little details and kind of comparing and contrasting. And uh, I find it very engaging. They're really, really good videos. So if you're looking for a new channel to subscribe to, check out Retropolis Zone. If you're wondering why my videos over the past six months have been significantly better than what they were the six months prior, uh, longer, uh, quicker edits, better cuts, uh, more thoughtful, just it inspired me to step it up a notch. So hopefully that trend continues and uh, it'll keep pushing me to make better videos. Uh, the next one I know I've talked about probably three or four years ago, uh, and that's On The Stick. Uh, so YouTube slash On The Stick. This is Joe Drilling's YouTube channel. Now, 
I have no, he's been around forever. He's made, I think, a couple hundred videos now, and they're pretty fantastic. And I don't quite understand uh, why the YouTube or Google algorithm doesn't like his content. Uh, right now, he does three scripted shows, and they are all fantastic. This is one of the few people uh, that I watch every single video they put out. I don't do that with Johnny Versus. I don't do that with The Completionist. I don't do that with Pro Jared. I don't do that with Angry Video Game Nerd anymore. On the stick, I watch every single video. So the first one is same name, different game. Uh, and that's where he takes games with the same name, like Batman, for example. Obviously, it was different on just about every system it was released on and kind of compares and contrasts the differences. Um, the next show is Obscure Old Games. That's just a review show about a game you've probably never heard of. Uh, he also does a list video show called Five Reasons to Own. Uh, so he would do a video called Five Reasons to Own a PC Engine or a Sega Genesis. But what he does with these is he talks about games that are on those systems that not, was not only not ported to any other systems back in the day, but still hasn't been released on any system since. So no virtual console, no PlayStation Network, no Xbox Live, no Steam, five games that you can only play on that piece of hardware as of the making of that video. Uh, so I find that incredibly interesting as well. Um, you know, just to look, oh, wow, I can't believe that's never been ported to anything else before um, or didn't, you know, see a Genesis and a SNES release or something like that. And not only that, he does it with a puppet. Roger the Retro Gaming Puppet. Now, again, I'm a big child, basically a six foot five child. I have the same maturity as I did when I was 16. So stupid things like uh, puppets, I find fascinating and nobody else is doing that. There's a gimmick that nobody has touched uh, in the YouTube space or at least the retro gaming space. And when you combine the five reasons to own with this silly puppet, uh, something about it is just incredibly engaging and hilarious and ridiculously entertaining. So if you haven't watched On The Stick in a few years, he's added a few shows. Uh, really, really great YouTube channel. And Joe Drilling is from Wisconsin originally, so that's kind of cool too. Alrighty, I want to make a couple updates about this podcast. If you haven't noticed, you're listening to this well, I don't know when you're listening to it, but I'm releasing it on Saturday. So I'm pushing the podcast back to weekends for a couple of reasons. First, I'm losing light. Uh, as you can see right now, the lighting in here isn't very good. And uh, in a month or two, by the time I get home from work at 4.30, it's going to be pitch black. And I can't really record in this room uh, when it's dark out. So I have to move it back to the weekend, do the daytime thing. Uh, works a bit better. Uh, my wife has a new job, works some weekends. So it kind of all fits into place. And then the, the second reason is starting around November or when I get around to it, I've mentioned in the past that I like to do a rotating panel of guests every week. So every week, every week I would have a, a different guest because uh, as much as <laughs> as much as I like sitting here talking about myself, I think I've kind of worn out the format and uh, I think it's time for me to kind of have that co-host again, uh, somebody to bounce off of, you know, get that energy from and, and not just sit here and try and carry the show alone. Uh, I think that would work uh, a lot better. I know it would work a lot better. I'm glad I did this for the past nine months all by myself. Uh, you know, it was a challenge for me and uh, I think I got everything I wanted out of this experience, at least for me. And now I think it's time 
time to, you know, take it to the next step and, and make a better show, uh, grow the show, get more viewers and just give you something a little bit better. So I've got two people lined up uh, that are capable of recording good audio um, and uh, have, you know, have indicated that they want to do it and they're on board. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about the video yet. I'll kind of tackle that problem when I get there. And then uh, I'd like to get probably six or so people um, on board wanting to to kind of do this, you know, every six or seven weeks. Um, certainly nobody's going to want to do it every week because this is a pretty big time suck, believe it or not. But I think it would be fun to have uh, different voices each and every week. And uh, yeah, so we're moving this to the weekends from here through the spring and then uh, expect guests uh, soon. And then if you're watching this and you have podcasting you know, experience or you have a YouTube channel, I'm not aware of it and it's something you're interested in, uh, shoot me a message. I'll kind of get in touch with you, kind of see what you've done in the past and see if that's something that I think would fit or not. So that's that. Let's go ahead. This is, show is going to be a lot longer than I thought. Good for you again. Let's move on to some Q&A. This question comes from Brian Sagara. Hey, man, a little help with the paddle controller, the Atari 2600 paddle controller. Uh, there is an easier fix to your paddles than find a working one. It, it is easy to clean. There are two methods, the easy and short way and the hard and long way. There are a lot of tutorials on the Internet. And if that doesn't work, if you know how to solder... I can't say it's solder. You can replace the potentiometer. I hope you get it fixed. Paddle games are awesome. Uh, so I did some research. I think there's a quick and dirty fix of shooting WD-40 in there. Uh, I will take mine apart, do it the hard way, and hopefully have some working paddle controllers. Now, I didn't even know I owned working, or I didn't even know I owned paddle controllers, but I did dig in my controller bin, and sure enough, I have paddle controllers and the driving controller, weirdly enough. And uh, so I went out, and today, right before recording this, I grabbed a Circus Atari, and I'll uh, be able to test that. Um, which, weirdly enough, that basically reminds me of the, the minigame in Sonic Colors. Uh, for those of you, is it Sonic Colors or Sonic? No, it's Sonic Lost World. Sonic Lost World basically has a minigame that used the touchpad to move this teeter-totter thing back and forth, and it's totally ripped off from from Circus Atari. Uh, so I hopefully can get my paddles working uh, and then make a video on Circus Atari and kind of bring that back to Lost World, because no one played Lost World, no one remembers Circus Atari, and there's like a real obvious link that I think is really fascinating. All right. Thank you for the comment. Next question comes from Computer Doc. Any Commodore videos? Any Commodore videos coming up, such as Commodore 64, Amiga, or CD32? Uh, right now, as we speak, I do not own any old computers. I had a TI-89 or TI-whatever, TI-994A. Um, I did get rid of that. Um, so I don't own that anymore. I did enjoy it. It was neat. Um, but I don't, unless some sort of deal comes where I can't refuse it, I probably will never own a Commodore 64. Uh, back in the early 2000s, um, I did buy a couple CD32 games in anticipation of buying um, a, a, an Amiga CD32. I believe a decade ago or 15 years ago, there was a seller on eBay that had a ton of um, NTSC CD32 systems that were destined for Canada. So those NTSC CD32s, despite not really being released in the West, do exist. And I, it was something I was interested in. I love weird hardware like the 32X and the 3DO and the Atari Jaguar. And I was going to add that to my collection. Never really did it. Um, and at this point in time, 
uh, it's very hard for me to talk about something new um, without people kind of going bananas. So uh, the CDI, uh, when I had that system and talked about a lot of the games, uh, people got really upset that, you know, I wasn't in the CDI club for the last 10 years and I had no right to talk about it and I didn't have enough knowledge and all of that. Um, and that grew very tiring for me and uh, I just got rid of it, traded it in for some uh, a huge stack of Xbox games. Um, same thing with the TI-99-4A. Uh, I made a really positive video of it. I only own three games. I was very honest and upfront about it. Um, I even modded my system, did some things no one else has ever done with the TI-99-4A. Uh, but again, the majority of the comments were very negative. Uh, oh, there's all these homebrews that you're, you didn't talk about. It just, I don't, it's hard for, it's very fatiguing for me to kind of deal with that. And it's going to take a long time for me to build up, uh, you know, back up my wall to sort of take those shots again. So as of right now, not very interested in the Amiga hardware, not that familiar with the library of games. And, uh, I'm not quite, you know, my flame suit, you know, I need a new one. So I'm not going to touch those for a while. Uh, last question comes from Poke Press, who says, by the way, what are your thoughts on the Jungle Book movie itself, as well as the recent live action adaptation? Uh, um, so I have not seen, uh, I, I can't remember seeing the jungle book. Like I'm familiar with the characters, like somewhere in here, I've seen this movie like in 1987 or something. I just don't remember it at all. Um, I don't know if it hasn't been released on Blu-ray cause I've never seen it on Blu-ray. So I don't own it. Um, and it's a, you know, before my time, I think the movie came out in 67. So I don't have any real childhood connection with that movie. Uh, like I do with the Aladdin or even the little mermaid very first game or very first movie I ever saw in theaters as a kid. And I remember it very vividly. I was at a theater in Monroe, Wisconsin back in, I guess it was 88 or 89, whenever it came out. I remember it like it was yesterday. And then Aladdin, The Lion King, those 90s Disney movies were really fantastic. Uh, I've rebought a lot of them on Blu-ray. Uh, I even imported them from the UK because they came out there before here. Uh, absolutely love those. I also really love 101 Dalmatians, uh, which I don't own on Blu-ray, but I do have the DVD. DVD, uh, one of my favorite Disney movies, and I think it's because there's no songs in it. Other than the Corella DeVille jingle, there's no musical number bit to it about it at all. Uh, and I think as an adult, something about that fact makes that movie a lot more palatable for me. Uh, but, you know, you can look at The Lion King, uh, you can look at Aladdin, you can look at Beauty and the Beast, it's, it's pretty tolerable, um, and those movies do mean a lot to me, but I don't have that for The Jungle Book. So let's go ahead and move on to the final segment of today's program, the cheap game segment. So collecting retro classic video games can be very expensive, but it doesn't have to be. So I want to talk about two games that I paid less than $5 for. One of those goes for more than $5 uh, today. One of them is still under $5. Both games are absolutely worth your time. Now this game is, I don't, I really paid nothing for this. This is Psycho Fox on the Master System. I'm sure I've told this story before. Uh, there was a weird eBay auction a long time ago. There was an NES, a Master System, a bunch of cables and controllers, Psycho Fox for the Master System, R-Type for the Master System, and then a Teddy Boy for the Master System, the, the card version. And uh, I paid $17 for it with shipping. Obviously, sold off the two systems, got my money back, and discovered three of my very favorite Master Master System games, um, and one of those being Psycho Fox. This is 
the perfect game for the Master System if you didn't grow up with a Master System and uh, you grew up with an NES because this feels like an NES game to me. And in fact, it's basically a port or a remake of Kid Cool made by Vic uh, Tokai or something like that. This is a fully fledged, long big AAA platformer for the Master System. It's not like, you know, a lot of mas- a lot of Master System games, especially early on in its life, were like five or six levels. You can beat it in 20 minutes. You cannot beat Psycho Fox in that length of time. It's, uh, I want to say, 21 levels, seven bosses, absolutely fantastic platformer. Uh, level design reminds me of Sonic the Hedgehog because there's like a high level, a mid-level, and a low level, and uh, it, there's a lot to explore. Uh, so you can play this game with skill getting through the level but then on top of that you can also do a lot of the speed run type things once you kind of memorize the layout of the level pick a path a little trial and error uh, but not required really dig that uh, controls are weird though uh, there's four characters and all and they all have different acceleration and uh, ranging from they get up to speed pretty quick and reasonable to it takes them a long time uh, and that slow buildup of momentum makes the jumping dated if that's really no other way to put it it feels weird especially c- compared to something like super mario brothers or mario 2 uh even Mega Man, something really really polished it doesn't quite have that but the fact you have four selectable characters 21 levels and it, the game is just it's just fun to play there's no other way to put it so that's about 20 dollars loose or probably i think 30 dollars complete starting to get up there certainly not you know 17 bundled with a million other things that's for sure uh, and the other game i picked up this was 99 cents and this is weird this is ice hockey on the atari 2600 this was a blind buy for me uh nobody has ever recommended i play this game i have never seen a video on it i saw activision i saw atari i saw 99 cents and i bought it and I've played it every day for the past eight days. <laughs> Something about this game is ridiculously fun. So this is a two-on-two hockey game, single screen. So it's, you know, it's old. It's not like uh, Blades of Steel on the NES where, you know, you have five characters and the screen scrolls and all of that. This is just a single vertical play field for characters. Now, the first thing you'll notice right away is it's actually a really good looking game. The four character sprites are pretty large and uh, they're large, they're detailed and the two teams have distinct colors like it's very easy to pin to figure out what's going on on the screen um the gameplay itself is pretty simple you can move left and right which kind of alters the way your character faces which means that's how you get the puck kind of away from your opponent and it also kind of aims where you're going to shoot it so uh, i believe you can only basically fire the puck either diagonal you know down to the left or diagonal down to the right or up to the left and up to the right uh, if that's the case um and uh, the other cool thing about it too is uh, the computer well one there's ai so you don't need two people to play it which for me is a pretty huge deal um, but the ai is you know it works it's a simple game so it's not it shouldn't be that hard for the ai to you know not be useless but it puts up a good fight uh, now i can win consistently by one or two points i'm sure when i keep playing it i'm just going to roast the computer uh, but something about this game just every time i play it i just laugh and i laugh and i laugh and i know that sounds really stupid um, but I do every time I, sc- you know, like score a ridiculous goal or something goofy happens and it just makes me laugh. And uh, it's been a long time since a game just like brought me joy, like just pure joy. And I have no idea why this game does that for me. Uh, but if you see ice hockey on the Atari, uh, you absolutely should buy it. It's some of the most fun I've had on the Atari ever. 
this might be a great game. I'm not sure. I'm going to give it some more time. Maybe I'll bump that up to my great list uh, when I finally make that video. But ice hockey on the Atari 2600, it, it's ridiculously advanced. Controls obviously are simple with one button and a joystick, but just fun, just pure fun. Uh, what I was going to say is as the puck moves up the screen, then the computer basically switches your character so there's some like neat strategy trying to figure out okay i need to line my character up here before i lose control and take the other guy uh, you combine that with the way it shoots the strategy of getting your con your guys lined up just the the smoothness un unbelievable game totally awesome check it out ice hockey on the atari 2600 psycho fox on the sega master system so that is going to do it for today's show if you are watching this and you'd like to download it or consume it like a normal podcast uh, i've got links to the rss feeds in the description below so i've got the raw rss feed along with a link to itunes and google play it's also on stitcher if you have that app and then uh, if you're listening to the show and you'd like to watch this show or any of the other content i put out each and every week check out the youtube channel youtube.com slash implant games and until next time guys have a great week